order and backing away from his vow to own the shutdown. Nancy Pelosi is calling the shots. Is anyone trying to make a deal to reopen the government? Counselor to the president, Kellyanne Conway, and Republican Senator Lindsey Graham are here to respond next. And decision time. All eyes are on Democrats considering a presidential run. I have to make my decision. Uh, Meet with family, friends, and advisors and decide. The race to 2020 starts now. Former Virginia governor and potential presidential contender Terry McAuliffe weighs in. Plus, making her mark, the first lady settling into her White House role, proving time and time again she always goes her own way. I want to stay true to myself. The notable moments from a momentous year coming up. Dana Bash in for Jake Tapper here in Washington, where the State of Our Union is counting down to a new year. And the way things are looking, hundreds of thousands of government workers across the country may find it hard to pop the champagne, not knowing when their next paycheck is coming. As President Trump digs in over his fight for funding a border wall, spending his holiday writing angry tweets and taking his battle with the Democrats to a dark place, tweeting, Any deaths of children or others at the border are strictly the fault of the Democrats and their pathetic immigration policies that allow people to make the long trek thinking they can enter our country illegally. The tweet coming days after an eight-year-old migrant died in U.S. custody on Christmas Eve. Joining me now, Counselor to the President, Kellyanne Conway. Kellyanne, thank you so much for joining me this morning. That was President Trump's first comment on the deaths of those two children at the border, explicitly saying Democratic lawmakers are culpable in those children dying. Is that something you want to defend this morning? Diana, the president's press secretary and incoming acting chief of staff had already weighed in publicly about these tragic deaths, and it is a tragedy. I've discussed them directly with the president, and I requested and received a briefing from CPB about both Jacqueline and Felipe's deaths, uh, any death of a child, any death of anyone, is it is another tragedy. I think the president's point is an important one, which is that he's stayed in Washington to negotiate border security and to get funding for DHS and ICE and CPB and, of course, uh, enhance border security, which Democrats, until he took over as president, were all in favor of. And we are allowing these people to take their children on a perilous journey without correcting the falsities. They're being promised something that people can simply not deliver upon. Kellyanne, Kellyanne, I want to talk about this. don't want people to subject these children to these perilous journeys. I want to talk about that policy in a minute. But But the idea that the president's aides, now you're one of them, have said that um, they have empathy for the deaths of children who are coming across the border with their parents. But the president hasn't. The only thing he has said is something that is very political and, frankly, um, uh, misleading with regard to Democrats being culpable for the deaths of children. Dana, the president would like the Democrats to be in 2019, who they've been in 2006 with the Secure Offenses Act. Earlier this summer, in fact, a number of dozens of Democrats voted for DHS funding in a certain committee, 10 Democrats voted uh, to approve enhanced border security funding. Where are they now? And what the point he's making is, is that our DHS and CPB, Customs and Border 
patrol statistics show that unlike in the past where the vast, vast majority of those coming over the border illegally were single males and were coming from Mexico, they're coming from the Northern Triangle countries now and they're coming as families or they're coming as unaccompanied minors, as you know, unaccompanied children. We simply cannot absorb all that. And unfortunately, and very tragically, it does result in some death. Now, Wait. in Felipe's case, his father and he came into El Paso, I'm told, one of the busiest ports of entry. They were being um, held while their claims were being processed. He took ill. He was um, taken to the hospital twice. And unfortunately, he is now deceased. In the case of Jacqueline, they were very, very far from a, from a port of entry. Um, 163 people needed to be put on and a I bus that... Uh, and I just want to say that, that according well, this is to your government, that accommodate 50. No. I went and got I went and got a briefing because I'm concerned about this. Mm -hmm. I, I, and that's and that's important. It's also important to note that the president tweeted not just that Democrats are responsible, but that they're that they were ill before they were coming over. And his own government, the CPP, says has said in several statements that they've tracked them and that that's not the case. I want to move on, um, Kellyanne, to, to where we are right well, now. Well, but I, I don't want to move on from children's death and what the president's saying, because I think this is very important. Okay. I don't like, I don't like some of the Democrats using these deaths as political pawns. But isn't that exactly what the afar. president just did? No, the president is not doing that. The president does not want these children to come on the perilous journey to begin with. They are paying... Uh, now, but, some of them are paying the ultimate price, but many of them, all of them are paying these coyotes who don't give a whit about human life. But this is not the, a new policy. DHS this is a policy that has been oh, in place with Democrats in, true, in, in charge of the White House, no, with Democrats in charge decision, of Congress, and Republicans no, in charge of both no, the, the White the House and Congress. The courts have screwed this up, and the Congress has failed to close loopholes that make people believe they should come here as a family unit. We simply are trying to absorb the new illegal immigration, which are larger, uh, uh, higher numbers of family units and unaccompanied minors. You know the statistics, you've seen them. And, and I do want to say that those Democrats who in the past voted for the Secure Offenses Act of 2006, if they want to call it the Secure Offenses Act of 2019, call it whatever you want, because so, the House, they did their job. They passed over $5.6 billion in funding that is not just for a wall, it's for technology. Kellyanne, let's talk about slats. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about the solution, uh, if there is any solution. We are nine days in uh, to okay. a shutdown. Um, I, I want to ask you about something that John Kelly, the outgoing chief of staff uh, for the White House, just said in an interview. He said, to be honest, it's not a wall. The president still says wall. Oftentimes, frankly, he'll say barrier or fencing. Now he's tended towards steel slats. But we left a solid concrete wall early on in the administration. First, is he right that it's not a wall anymore? Well, I think many people who don't want to fess up to border security and get Congress to do its job and close the loopholes insist that it's a wall, a wall, a wall. The president has said, he said last week, and he tweeted out pictures of steel slats. Things are already happening in California in terms of that. It's been a priority for CPB since 2009, I'm informed. And because of this president's leadership, it's finally getting done. Uh, I saw a Democratic congressman on your network. Uh, clips were played earlier today. I guess the interview was recent, Dana, where he said, hey, but we need technology. We need um, enhancements. We need, okay, let's do that. People say we want something to look, look uh, we, we need to look through. The, so we don't need a wall? Said, that so the is wall is, is John Kelly right that an actual wall, which we heard you know, umpteen times on the campaign trail, that that is no longer the case? 
No, the president, it, it really depends on what Customs and Border Patrol says they need. And they have said they need barriers. They need, the president says a wall, a barri barriers. They need steel slats. They need technology enhancements. But those who have completely walked away from the table are doing no justice to the people of this country. We have 31 sanctuary cities now. We have six sanctuary states. So many of them would make us a but sanctuary Kellyanne, country. The government they has failed been to shut pass down Kate's law. They failed, they failed to pass a they, wall. No. It has no, been no, shut down. They, over no, no, no. A wall. That is incorrect. That the is president completely said false, it in the Oval Danny. Office. He said very, it is very shut clearly, down because I'm of fine. border security. No, no, okay. no. The House then the House later passed 5.6 billion for border security. They didn't pass it for a wall. That is not the, restricted to just wall and building. And to the senators, for, and the, I, I talked to leadership last night. It's for any number of things. And to we the need senators to fund our, fund in the Republican and Democratic Party who say they did pass uh, a, a bill uh, in in uh, in December before leaving that they thought the president was going to sign that didn't necessarily have money for a border wall, but had one point three uh, billion dollars for more border security. Um, you're telling those Republicans in the Senate that that wasn't enough? Well, I noticed that Senator Marco Rubio of Florida said after the House passed its package, this was reasonable. And his comment was he hopes Democrats will come forward because they voted for $800 billion or so in a stimulus package in the last administration. They could vote for $5 billion for border security. That's a very important point. And the president could stand firm on the $5.6 billion and ask the Senate, you know, why is this not a modest investment in our nation's security? Border security is national security. And it is a naive and partisan for anybody is to it suggest border security that we don't have a drug wall? crisis at our border. Is it the border? It's anything. It's all of the above. Because but, this but is, I'm sure you're hearing me, this. Republicans security. and Democrats are frustrated because they say the the, the goalpost keeps changing. No, where are they? Sure the president has the president. said, the president tweeted yesterday, where are they? He wants to make a deal on border security. Where are they? Nancy Pelosi's in Hawaii. She's got they to argue back. They yes, haven't Mula, heard from the president in 19 days. To fund the government, to reopen they the government. They haven't gotten a phone call from but the president in 19 days. Waiting to hear from That's the president. That's not fair. They, they know where he is. They know where he is. He's exactly where he's been the entire time, working in Washington, D.C., in the White House. He but tweeted out yesterday. But if he wants to get this wall, then you invite people to the White House and you sit down and you do the art of the deal. That's not happening. He wants all types of border security. The House passed its package. It went to the Senate. It was tendered to the Senate, and the Senate did not counteroffer. Dana, why aren't they countering offer with something that means something to them? We haven't heard from them. It's complete crickets. For partisan political reasons, well, just two days when ago, we saw writ large the president's entire point. Excuse me. We have Officer Singh in California murdered in cold blood after taking a Christmas picture with his five-month-old son who will never know his father now, murdered by a criminal alien who shouldn't have been here. This is the president's entire point. The Democrats have voted against Kate's law. They voted against cri removing criminal aliens. They voted against sanctuary cities law. They're voting against they're not coming to the table for border security. The Democrats in 2018 helped Kellyanne. put on the president's desk two major bipartisan packages, opioid legislation One and criminal things. justice reform. Border security is a nonpartisan issue. Let's have a bipartisan bipartisan solution. One of the things that the Democrats say that they will do when they take over the House on Thursday is pass a, a bill to reopen the government, uh, which may end up on the president's All of the desk. government? If, if, Including Department of Homeland Security? Yes, that will fund the Department of Homeland Security, not the border wall. If the president gets that on his desk, will he veto it? 
It depends what's in it. What is it going to say? In other words, they're not even discussing it over the Christmas and New Year's breakdown of what could possibly be in that package. If he and got something that the, that the Senate already enter, passed, would he would he would he veto it or not? It depends what's in it. And the Senate, no, the Senate, the president likes the $5.6 billion that was in the House package. His incoming acting chief of staff has, and, his, and his vice president have offered um, less than that as a, as a compromise. We've heard nothing in return. And negotiation, by definition, has to include both sides. Uh, he's, in the, he's in the White House. He's in Washington ready to negotiate. This is important but, in border security and keeping the government open. But if you keep saying wall, wall, wall because you want wall to be a four-letter word and we're not being honest about everything CPP Kellyanne, has asked with the president is the one security. who explicitly said in the Oval Office, it's the wall and it's the reason why And he why said in a tweet yesterday, he can't cherry pick his happening. tweets. He talked about border security just yesterday. He mentioned it to me yesterday in a phone call. I'm okay. here ready to make a deal, negotiate on border security. He's well, ready. But we they look need forward to come to, to seeing, the table. This is not we, a negotiation. We look forward to seeing that negotiation well, start back when, up when, when they when come when back. Well, I also think when Speaker Pelosi... I think when Speaker Pelosi comes in, she's got a weakened hand. There are 33 Democrats coming in. How does she in, have Dana, a weakened hand? She now has control Trump, That one in Trump districts because... Right. Well, she's got a smaller margin than the Republicans had when they were there. And they, and it's, and they it's had difficult two to years get everybody in with agreement complete on control of Congress. And they oh, didn't I totally, give the by president the way, this border wall. By the way, put me down as totally agreeing with you. I think the courts and Congress have failed to do their jobs. There's no question. Democrats and Republicans have promised border security. They have voted for it in the past. I like Chuck Schumer circa 2009 talking about how border security has helped stem the flow of illegal immigration versus Kellyanne. Chuck Schumer 10 years later who won't even deal with us on this. Kellyanne and and by the way, CPB told me yesterday 4,000 people were rescued by them last year. We need those stories as well. It's a tragedy that these migrant children have died. We need the, we need the uplifting stories of 4,000 or so, 4,300 actually. CPB tells listen, me they helped Listen, CPB the and the Border Patrol, the individuals and are doing yeoman, and ICE are doing yeoman's work. Thank and you ICE. so much, Kellyanne yes. Conway, for Thank joining you, me Thank you, Dana. Happy New Year. You too. And up next, he's a Republican, a fierce Trump ally, who's now accusing President Trump of acting more like President Obama on national security. Senator Lindsey Graham is here to explain why next. Welcome back to State of the Union. I'm Dana Bash. President Trump is spending his holiday at the White House, making new threats over funding for his border wall. Days after his surprise visit to U.S. troops in Iraq and Germany, where he defended his controversial decision to pull U.S. forces out of Syria in very Trumpian terms. If they want us to do the fighting, they also have to pay a price. And sometimes that's also a monetary price. So we're not the suckers of the world. Joining me now is Senator Lindsey Graham, Republican of South Carolina and the incoming head of the Judiciary Committee. Senator, I want to talk about national security in a moment. Let's start with the with the shutdown. You've been on the phone with your colleagues. Right. Any movement in breaking the mm -hmm. impasse? Yeah, a bit. Uh, the one thing I know for sure that nothing will get out of the Senate without wall slash border funding. And Democrats are not going to give us any money for uh, wall border security without getting something themselves. So here's what I think might work. Five billion dollars for the wall slash border security. Uh, Democrats have voted for more than that in the past. Uh, married up with the Bridge Act, which Senator Durbin and I wrote a three-year uh, one-time renewable work permit for the DACA population, about 700,000. 
We have about 400,000 TPS people who came here from natural disasters and war-torn countries decades ago. Their visas are, are running out. So basically, $5 billion for the wall, plus the Bridge Act, TPS, and some legal changes to do away with some of these magnets to illegal Sen immigration might save the day in the Senate. Okay, Senator, this is the, the gist of this, which is money for the border wall in exchange for mm -hmm. legal status, at least for the so-called right, dreamers, right, has right. been out there before. Democrats have rejected and it. And TPS the White, reform. Right. De yeah. The Democrats have rejected it. The White House has rejected it. What makes you think yeah. it's going to fly now? Well, uh, the bottom line is everything I just outlined has been offered by each party before. You know, President Trump is not going to walk away from this fight without border security funding, money for the wall, for lack of a better way of saying it. And Democrats have a chance here to work with me and others, including the president, to bring legal status to people who have very uncertain lives. I'm not asking anybody to do something new. I'm just asking people and to sit down you probably, and rearrange the deal that was offered before. You probably hear this from Democrats and Republicans. If I'm hearing it, you're hearing it, that they don't trust it. They don't want to go into a potential deal like you just described because they're not convinced that the president is going to pull the rug out from under them, just like he did on December 19th when you and your fellow uh, Democrats yeah. and Republicans approved a, a, a funding bill that he later said he would veto, even though he didn't say that at the time. Well, we need to start talking again, and let's talk about pulling the rug out from under each other. <clears throat> I've been working on this for 10 years. Democrats have voted for 700 miles of secure fencing in 2006. They voted for $25 billion for the wall in February. In 2013, we voted for $42 billion for, $42 billion for border security, including $9 billion for a wall slash uh, uh, fence. The bottom line is uh, they want Trump to lose more than they want the country to win, I fear. At the end of the day, there's a deal to be had, but everybody's changing their position here, and most Americans are pretty tired of it. So to my Democratic friends, there'll never be a deal without wall funding, and many Republicans are going to offer something as an incentive to vote for wall funding you, that you have supported in the past. You talk about everybody changing their position. I have to ask you. Uh, about something that seems to be getting lost in this conversation, which is that when you were running against the president in the Republican primaries and then all through the general election, he did say that this was a campaign promise to build a wall, but he also right. said Mexico would pay for it, not the American taxpayers. <laughs> what happened to that? Well, I'm not asking Mexico to pay for it. I'm but asking the American people to pay for it. Yeah, well, at the end of the day, we'll see how the NAFTA deal, I think he'll claim that Mexico is paying more under the new NAFTA deal. But I'm not talking about what he said uh, back during the campaign. I'm talking about what we can do now to open up a government that needs to be opened up. The Coast Guard is not going to get paid here soon. Uh, DHS is an important national security function. We need wall money. Democrats have voted for it in the past. The president's put on the table more than the Bridge Act, more than TPS. So I hope calmer heads will prevail. I've talked to several Democratic senators. There is a deal to be had, I think, if the president would get behind it. $5 billion for the wall, the Bridge Act, TPS, and some legal reform, and we can reopen the government and be a more secure nation. Real quick, are you going to, assuming you do take the, the gavel as Judiciary Chairman, hold hearings yeah. on the deaths of migrant yes. children? Yeah, I'm going to hold hearings on uh, the deaths of these two children and the policies that entice people to come. One of the mothers of these children was not seeking asylum. She was just trying to come here to find a job. 
Right now, we have 11,000 unaccompanied minors from Central America. 98% of them never leave. In 2014, Dianne Feinstein asked President Obama to change our policy. If we have an unaccompanied minor from Central America, they should be sent back to their home country, okay. just like if they were from Mexico. That's a legal change we need to make with this deal. Senator, let's talk about foreign policy and President Trump's decision yeah. to pull American troops out of Syria, half of the U.S. troops of Afghanistan, a place you just returned from. You have said this could pave the way for a second 9-11 in the U.S. If ISIS reconstitutes yeah. itself after the U.S. leaves, does President Trump bear responsibility? Well, number one, everything we're dealing with, dealing with today uh, falls on Obama's watch. He's the one that withdrew from Iraq. In 2011, October but he did it 21st, I said, I hope... But he did it because there was a status of forces agreement uh, listen, with Iraq, right? No, that's a bunch of bullshit. Pardon my French. That's a complete <laughs> lie. Why? Uh, that, that's a that complete, didn't absolute lie. I've been there. Yeah, I was there talking to the prime minister of Iraq, and he said, how many soldiers you're talking about? Obama wanted to get to zero. He got to zero. In 20, October the 21st, 2011, I said, I hope the president's right. Now I'm wrong, but I fear this decision will come back to haunt us. ISIS came about as a result of our withdrawal from Iraq. The caliphate was established in Syria okay, so because Obama sat on the sidelines on, and watched the place now, be dismembered. Now, President Trump. Yeah, let's focus on now. Go okay, for it. now he was dealt a bad hand by Obama and needs to play it better than he's playing it. Keeping the troops in Iraq is great. Right now, after having been back from Afghanistan, I can tell you that ISIS is on the rise in Afghanistan. But if Pakistan would help us, we could get Taliban to the table and end the war in Afghanistan. Our presence then would be focused on counterterrorism, ISIS, as to Syria. There are three things important to this country. Number one, make sure that ISIS never comes back in Syria. That's why we need to keep some of our troops there. They're inside the 10-yard line in defeating ISIS, but we're not there yet. How if are you we leave now, President the Kurds Trump are going to get slaughtered. I'm going to talk to him at lunch. He has talked to General Dunford. I got a call from General Dunford. The president is reconsidering how we do this. He's frustrated. I get it. People should pay more. They should fight more. But we're not the policemen in the world here. We're fighting a war against ISIS. They're still not defeated in Syria. I'm asking the president to make sure that we have troops there to protect us. Don't outsource our national security to some foreign power. If we leave now, the Kurds will get in a fight with Turkey. They could get slaughtered. Who would help you in the future? And if we leave now, There'll be a land bridge from Tehran to Beirut. And this is something you're going to tell the president weapons against today? Israel. Yeah, I'm going to ask the president to do something President Obama would never do. Reconsider. This is being done by President Trump against sound military advice. The president is went to Iraq. Thank you very much for going. I'm going to ask him to sit down with his generals and reconsider how to do this. Slow this down. Make sure that we get it right. Make sure ISIS never comes back. Don't turn uh, Syria over to the Iranians. That's a nightmare uh, for Israel. And at the end of the day, if we leave the Kurds and abandon them and they get slaughtered, who's going to help you in the future? I want to fight the war in the enemy's backyard, not ours. That's why we need a forward deployed force in Iraq and Syria and Afghanistan for a while to come. Here's the good news. If we play our cards right, we can reduce our footprint in all three countries, have more, have people do more and pay more is a goal I share with the president. Senator, you were one of the president's biggest critics uh, in the campaign. You're now one of his closest mm -hmm. confidants, as evidenced by the fact that you're going to go have lunch with him today about this. But right. you've done it in part because you have felt like you could help guide him on issues 
that matter the most to you, like foreign policy. So far, right. he hasn't right. listened to your right. advice on Syria or on the Saudis, on, on really holding the Saudis to, to account on the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. So do you right. feel like this relationship that you've cultivated has been worth it? Absolutely. I feel like I've had more access to this president than every president combined. Access, we don't but always actual agree. influence in policymaking? Wait, well, let me tell you, I'm generally very pleased. He pulled out of the Iranian agreement, which was a nightmare. He's increased military spending to a level that I could not be more pleased with. He changed the rules of engagement in Afghanistan, Iraq, and Syria, so ISIS is just about destroyed. All I ask him to do is make sure we don't fumble the ball inside the 10-yard line. Sit down with the generals, make sure we get Syria right. See if we can go to Pakistan and put a free trade agreement on the table to get the Pakistanis to push the Taliban to the peace table, and you can end the Afghan war. He has destroyed ISIS virtually on his watch. He has put Iran on the run. He has rebuilt our military so from a foreign policy point of view. Uh, and we now talk to North Korea from a position of strength. I'm generally pleased. But the Syrian decision caught me by surprise. I fear it's going to undercut all we have achieved. And I'll ask the president to reconsider. And I think he's going to sit down with his generals and make an informed a uh, well-thought-out decision. That's all you can ask any president to do. Obama knew better than anybody. General Obama was a disaster. He never reconsidered any decision. I hope President Trump will, and I believe he will. Let me, let me get quickly before we let you go to one question about the role that you're going to have uh, coming into the next Congress, Judiciary Chairman, and that is going to be yeah. Um, yeah. running the confirmation uh, process for the president's new attorney general, Bill Barr. In a memo this summer, right. Senator Barr wrote that Robert Mueller's investigation into possible obstruction of justice by President Trump is, quote, fatally misconceived and could have disastrous implications for the presidency. This were a Democratic nominee overseeing a, an investigation into a Democratic president. Would you see that memo as a problem? I think when you're firing an attorney general, it's pretty hard to obstruct justice if you can have, you know, almost <laughs> unlimited ability to fire the attorney general. I share many of Mr. Barr's uh, uh, thoughts about the consequences of obstruction justice for personnel decisions. But having said that, he'll need to defend his reasoning. I have a lot of confidence in Mr. Barr. I think he's a great choice. Like any other citizen, he can offer his opinion. And that's why we have the hearings. He'll be tested. I will support him unless I hear something really uh, out of left field. I think he's a good choice by the president. Senator Lindsey Graham, thank you so much for uh, joining us this morning. Um, have a good lunch. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thanks. And while you're counting down to 2019, they're looking at 2020. One Democrat who says there's nobody better to take on President Trump than himself will tell me why next. Welcome back to State of the Union. I'm Dana Bash. Even as they've been making moves behind the scenes, a slew of 2020 Democratic hopefuls have said it's too early to announce their plans. Well, 2019 starts on Tuesday and things are about to change. Joining me now is former Virginia governor and potential challenger to President Trump, Terry McAuliffe. Thank you so much. Dana, great to be with you. Happy, happy. happy. You too. Uh, I want to talk about that in a moment, but let's talk about the shutdown. You represented uh you were the governor of, the, of Virginia, where there are a lot of people a lot of federal employees. Who, uh, who are not having their paychecks come through or might see that uh, happen in the future. What should Democratic leaders in Congress do? Not give an inch. 
Democrats should not give an inch. Donald Trump owns this. He said he wanted to own it in the December meeting in the Oval Office. They had a deal. The Senate unanimously voted for a CR to take it into February. The White House condoned the vote. They took the vote. And guess what? He listened to some right-wing folks on radio who were his puppet masters. They challenged his manhood, and they pulled the strings, Ann Coulter and Rush Limbaugh, and he just moved. And he said, we're not going to go for it. And here's where we are today. And we have people, thousands of people in Virginia. Many of them will not be paid, because if you work for a federal contractor, like a woman who, story in the paper today, she works at the State Department, she's a cleaner, she's not going to be paid. People can't live without a paycheck. You know, contrary to what a Republican congressman said yesterday, Congressman Perry of Pennsylvania said, oh, they don't need their paycheck. The the counter to to the argument you just made at the beginning is those people will not be paid longer if Democrats don't negotiate a little bit with the president. Well, here's what we're going to do. January 3rd, I assume the Democrats will come in. On January 3rd, the first day, they ought to take up the bill that the Senate passed. Day one, pass it. Send it to the Senate. Mitch McConnell, they already voted for it unanimously, and send it to the president's desk. This wall, this concrete wall, is never going to be built. Now, it's not a campaign promise. His campaign promise, Dana, was we're going to build a wall and Mexico is going to pay for it. He did not campaign saying Americans are going to build a wall and you're going to pay for it. So this is a fallacy. He owns this. Now, maybe we can get to a place where we can have immigration reform tied together with border security. And that's what we ought to do moving forward. But the Democrats should not give an inch on this. Donald Trump owns this. He's been in the White House. He's been isolated. He is too emotional. He is too unstable. And he has now forced people to go through the holidays without a paycheck. And contrary to what some Republicans believe, people need that paycheck. Not only for gifts for the holiday season, Dana, it's for putting food on the table. They have to pay rent. They have caused such problems for 800,000 Americans. People who go to work for this federal government believe in our federal government. And Donald Trump, because of his tricks and because of Republican radio hosts pushing him, challenging his manhood, he has caused so many problems for so many people in this country. Let's look ahead. He is an angry, emotional, unstable man sitting in the White House. Is that uh, your campaign your campaign speech for 2020? Is that what we're hearing? Well, I think what Americans want is they're tired of this angry man, emotional man in the White House who he's a constant liar. I mean, just look at this week. He went over to Iraq and told the military, oh, they wanted a 2%, 3%. Oh, no, I got you 10%. Well, he did. It was 2.6%. He said you haven't had a pay raise in 10 years. They had had a pay raise Every year under President Obama, actually, for several years, they had a bigger pay raise. Then he has the audacity, the temerity to come out and blame Democrats for the death of these two children. That is the lowest act I have ever seen any president in the history of our country. You sound like a man who's running for president. You want to announce right now? Well, I'm not going to announce right now. I'm obviously looking at it. I've got time. You know, I've got a lot of great relationships. Do you have time? Sure. I have 40 years of working for this party. I've Plenty of friends in many states, so I don't have to rush into this. But what folks want, let's be clear, Dana, here's the message for Democrats. They don't want an angry liar in the White House. They want someone who is compulsively optimistic and realistic. And the Democrats have to lay out an agenda of success, of what we plan to do. You know, I look at my record as Virginia, a record amount of jobs created, what we were able to do to build a new Virginia economy. People want politicians to give results. 
That's why I think governors are always important. We have to balance budgets. We have to build roads. We have to clean the roads. We have to fund education. Very results-oriented. We don't have filibusters as governors. I think governors are very important to this. Well, but we can't be making promises that are not realistic. Listen, I like the idea of free college, but there is no way the Democratic Party should support paying for children of wealthy parents to go to school. I can afford to send my children to school. The federal government shouldn't be paying for my kids, but there are things we need to do. Access to credentialing and apprenticeships to match the skills with the jobs. What about that Medicare for debate. all? Hmm? What about Medicare for all? We all support Medicare for all. The system as it exists You support today. Medicare for all? Yeah, but it, we've got to figure out how we pay for it. It's unrealistic in its terms of how we pay for it today. But do we want everybody covered under health care? Of course we do. But this is specifically, you know, what we're talking about. This is an original Bernie Sanders idea that a lot of potential 2020 competitors have signed on to. You're saying you're for that. I'm saying I support that everybody in this country gets access to quality, affordable health care, whatever you may want to call it. Because the system today, and I was a big supporter of the ACA, but we do need to tweak it to take it to the next level. We got to fix it. Am I for health care for all individuals, affordable, quality care? You bet I am. The key is, and this is why I say governors are very important, because when we make promises, we have to deliver. We have to actually pay for what we're actually promising. So as we get into this debate, let's have an honest, realistic discussion of where we need to go as a nation. But clearly what we have in the White House today is not working. You look at the people who've been affected. I mean, you just saw that China in November did not buy one single soybean from America. In November of 2017, they bought 4.7 million metric tons. His tariff policies are not working. As governor of Virginia, I was a big trader. I went on 32 trade missions around the globe to five continents. You give me a fair trade deal, I can compete with anybody. Governor, you talk about Democrats being realistic. Are you being realistic, considering that you are a white man, you've been part of the party establishment for 30 years, you were campaign chair for 40 years, 40 years. Thank you. Um, You're making my point even more. Uh, Former chair uh, for both Bill and Hillary Clinton, DNC chair. Why do you think the party, the way it is now, will pick you as their 2020 nominee? Well, I think, first of all, this is what campaigns are all about. What I would do if I decided to run, I would run on my record as governor. I believe you look at the progressive things. I restored more felon rights than any governor in the history of the United States of America. I reformed our criminal justice system, record amount of economic development. I took a state that had been battered by sequestration. I inherited one of the largest deficits in the history of our state, 2.4 billion. I left with one of the biggest surpluses of 500 million, 200,000 new jobs. What do voters want? They want results. They want someone who's going to deliver on jobs, the largest investment in K-12 education in Virginia history. I was proud to work with the Republicans and sponsor that legislation for Virginia. Look what we did on health care, $10 billion on road construction. So my argument would be I am a governor. I was a southern governor and at a time very few statewide elected officials. And I took a state that was red. All statewide were Republicans, and when I left office, all Democrats, we are now a blue state. Why? Because we delivered on the things that matter to the voters in this country. And that's the message. Thank you for joining me. You sure sound like somebody who's yeah, we'll running for president. Thank you, thank I appreciate you. it. Thank, thank you. you. And in the next few weeks, we'll likely see the 2020 Democratic field start to take shape. Who's going to jump in first? Governor. <laughs> that's next.
government they failed has to, to pass Cates Hall. They failed, they failed to pass a they, wall. No. It has no, been no, shut down no, over no, no, no. a wall. That is incorrect. That the is president completely said false. it in the Oval Office. He said very, very clearly. It is shut clearly. down because I'm of fine. border security. The wall, border security, that is the question. The White House seems to be moving the goalposts all the way down the field. That was my interview with Kellyanne Conway, counselor to the president, earlier in the program. I'm here with our panel. You uh, were a voting member of the Senate Republican Conference not that long ago. Um, what are you hearing from your colleagues and how are you feeling about this notion of it being unclear what the president wants. Do you buy yeah, that? I, I don't buy that. Look, there's a deal here. I don't think there's any question on a policy side. There is a deal to be made. The question is whether there's the deal to be made politically. And, and, and there's pressure on both sides. Look, the Democrats don't want to give the president a win on this issue. They, they do not want him to be able to go out and say, I got wall funding. And, and if that's the case, if they're that dug in, we're going to be here for a long time because I don't think the president's going to back down at least some colorable money that can be used for wall funding. So uh, if the Democrats are dug in, then I think we're here for a long time. And you can say, well, the president doesn't know what he wants. And the pre you're right. He, he, he is not clear on this, but I think he is clear that uh, some wall money is necessary. And it's really up to the Democrats whether they're willing to Luckily, concede Luckily, we that. have a sitting member of the, uh, <laughs> of the House who is a Democrat sitting right next to you. Is he right? No, he is not right. First of all, the president has not reached out to Nancy Pelosi since they met at December 11th. There have been no discussions. Uh, the Senate passed and thought that they were done a, res a continuing resolution that would have funded the government until February 8th. Uh, Paul Ryan refused to bring it up because the president suddenly, after telling them he would sign it, said that he wouldn't sign it. Right now, we have a Republican president, Republican House, Republican Senate. They're in control. We need to have discussions. I will tell you right now, on January 3rd, one of the first actions that day will be a resolution to pass through the House that will be to reopen the government. But won't be to fund the wall. And that's the problem. Well, you know what the real problem is, is that there is a big lie going on. We're not in the middle of an immigration crisis in the United States. In the year 2000, 1.6 million people were apprehended trying to get into the United States. In fiscal year 2017, it was about 300,000. Now, it did tick up in 2018. And there has been a shift. We are no longer seeing single men coming to work in the United States. We're seeing families who are fleeing violence in their countries. We do need to do something about the asylum system. I mean, it doesn't make any sense that people have to come all the way to the United States and set foot on U.S. soil to seek asylum if they have legitimate claims for asylum. And we could change that. But this idea that we need a border wall is ridiculous. We have exponentially increased the amount of funding that goes to protecting our borders. And in fact, it is more money that we spend doing that than we do on all other federal law enforcement combined. And, and then let's talk about the fact that we're talking about this mm -hmm. and we're not talking about the issues that Democrats, Nancy Pelosi, was hoping to set the table with as she presumably will become the House Speaker again. 
Is that a problem? Look, um, I don't know if you've ever met Nancy Pelosi or any uh, accomplished woman for that matter, but I think we know how to multitask very well. And I think this United States Congress um, will know how to multitask very well. I'm not concerned at all. Look, well over 57% of Americans do not support and did not support shutting down the government for this border wall. They wanted to avoid this gridlock. They wanted the president to compromise. So even if he hadn't told us he owned it a couple weeks ago, he definitely owns it now. So I, I think that Democrats are right. They're going to put the bill on the floor, and then the ball will then be back in the Senate and the president's court. If they do not want to compromise, if they do not want to get the government back open, they are just hurting more Americans. The, the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Justice, the Department of State, the Department of Agriculture, among other departments, are, have been affected by this partial shutdown. Uh, if y'all thought it was bad and we couldn't eat romaine lettuce a couple weeks ago, think what happens if the Department of Agriculture stays shut down for another two weeks, another three weeks. Testing, important testing that needs to happen for our food is not happening. You want to secure the, you want our borders to be secure, but the Department of Homeland Security is affected by the shutdown. Well, look, essential services are, all, are continuing. So anything that's considered to be public health and safety, those people are going to work. You're right, they're not getting paid. But they will eventually get paid. But everyone who's an actual government employee will get paid. Now, government contractors won't get paid. And that's a lot of people mm -hmm. these days. They won't get paid. But everybody else will get paid. And essential public health and public safety things will be, will be continuing. We shouldn't be playing games with these people's lives. Absolutely. There. Agre these people I, I, are not agree. Republicans or Democrats. They're public servants. It, or it takes there, compromise. It takes compromise. Uh, uh, and Democrats are not. No, we are not. ready to go to the you're table. Saying, We've been trying. Debbie, been everybody on the Democratic side is saying no wall funding. That's not compromise. We have not. What we have said is we are for border security. I don't know a single Democrat that is not for national security. But let's do something you, that's common sense. Like, that, by the way, there are hundreds of studies all these that say Democrats that this border we are barriers for increased in custom border patrol. We're for drones. We're for biometrics. We're for using You're making my point, Debbie. You're making my point. You're just saying we'll do anything but what the president says he, he needs. But, what but, he but needs. what's the wall going to do? You're making the case about something Democrats have voted for, supported in the past, and all of a sudden because no the president's for it, you're against it. Can you tell us what will the wall do? What will the wall do? Because physical the majority of folks that come into this country what, the, undocumented come in through but, visas but, and they okay, overstay I mean, their visas. I agree with that. that, that but that's it. not that, that's we only one element of the problem. We don't have as many people trying to get into the United States. We are down to a low in illegal immigration to the United States. This idea that putting up a wall is going to do something. We're, what it's going to do is going to you know, invoke eminent domain. We're going to have lots of problems uh, in that arena. And who's going to build that wall, by the way? Who's going to stand in 105 degree weather down on the Texas-Mexico? We've built lots of walls. I mean, there's there's hundreds yeah, and thousands. Who's going to build it is a bunch of Mexican immigrants. That's who's going to end up building it. And we are, are preventing people from coming into the United States that we need. We are in a labor shortage right now. Employers are desperate for workers. And the president doesn't just want to cut down illegal immigration. He wants to reduce legal immigration. And that is a travesty. So this obviously is on the Congress's plate now, but there's already talk about this issue and many other among potential 2020 candidates. Um, 400 days until today is the Iowa caucus or oh, the Iowa yeah. caucuses. You, you have a, you have a, a glint in your eyes, Senator. I know yeah. you do. Um, Texas Congressman Beto O'Rourke got some attention yesterday. He had a flashy video, which we can show, um, criticizing the president on what we're talking about, the border wall fight. Other candidates are making moves. Elizabeth Warren changed her Twitter handle last night. She took Massachusetts out of her Twitter handle, the name of her home state. Kamala Harris, senator from California, is considering 
reportedly already where she's going to put her campaign headquarters. Um, Simone, you uh, obviously are very invested in, were invested in one particular potential candidate, <laughs> was, Bernie yeah. Sanders. Um, what do you make of all this? Look, I think that we need to have a robust primary on the Democratic side of the aisle. I'm excited that so many people are talking about putting their names in the hat. And I think come about in about two weeks, we will see we will start seeing folks announce exploratory committees and actual campaigns. And Senator is the only one uh, at this table that I know of who's actually run for president more than once um, as they're making their decisions. What's your advice? Uh, well, my advice is to run, number one, uh, because there will be so many people. It, it is really uh, an open and, and a tremendous opportunity for someone out of the blue. Look, Democrats do well when they take someone, and you saw the surveys that re reflect this, when they take someone unexpected, someone who's, who's not known, someone who's that bright, shiny object. And so if you're a bright, shiny object sitting out there in America and you think, you know, I've got what it takes, it's, there's no better time like than now than step up and try because it is a wide open field. Okay, good advice. Uh, everybody stand by. I want to turn to the First Lady Melania Trump because she's ringing in the new year at Mar-a-Lago without the president after a year in the harsh spotlight. CNN White House reporter Kate Bennett joins me now. Kate, in a lot of ways, the First Lady isn't following the traditional path. Definitely. I mean, she's the most independent first lady in terms of what she's doing, making up her own rules that we've seen, quite frankly, in modern history. Uh, she does what she wants to do, whether that's tweeting, whether that's expressing something that doesn't necessarily fall in line with her husband's administration policy wise, like visiting uh, the border, uh, for example. That's uh, something that Melania does. We saw her begin the year by watching her marriage sort of under a microscope just 12 days into the new year. We got the Stormy Daniels news broke. And she sort of had to find her footing in that scenario. She's done a lot of things, Dana, that people haven't noticed with children, uh, you know, talking about going, visiting the military just this past week, going on a, an Osprey, the first first lady to do so and be in a war zone. But at the same time, this is a, a first lady who sort of wants it both ways, right? She wants to talk about stopping cyberbullying while not addressing the elephant in the room that she's married to a big cyberbully. And that's and, and, and facing some hypocrisy there. Uh, she also interestingly, wants to, as she said in Africa to me, I wish people would focus on what I do and not what I wear. But she also this year wore a jacket that said on the back, I really don't care, do you? As she went to uh, take the plane down to the border to see what was happening with the families in crisis there. So certainly um, there's still room to find that footing. She's doing both things while balancing, like I said, this privacy, this microscope she's under and wants to keep. And at the same time, being first lady of the United States. Fascinating all around. Kate, you always keep us uh, up to speed on all things First Lady. Thank you so much. Happy New Year to you and Happy New Year, everybody out there from us here in Washington. Up next, a look at the history of impeachment just days before Democrats take over the House. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max. A new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking. Call Me Country.
Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.